Would you go please to John, gospel account of John, chapter 3. I uh, made an adjustment from last week. We were on the subject called being filled with the Spirit. But I believe we should start a new series that connects to that. We're not really changing gears too much, but, but enough to warrant a different series. We're calling it In the Spirit. In the Spirit. And our new texts will be here in John 3 and John 4 that we got into last week. John 3 and verse 5. Jesus said, he answered, Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Let's just stop right here. This contradicts all kinds of religious Christian teachings. You getting into the kingdom of God is not based on how good a person you are. And if you've been, how bad you've been or how good you've been, and this religious idea of you getting to the gates of heaven and seeing Peter and seeing if they're going to let you in or not based on if you did more good than bad is junk. Has nothing to do with reality. No. You must be born again. You don't earn your way into the family of God. You're born into the family of God. You're born just like you were born into this world. But he said you, you got to be born of water and of the Spirit. Say it out loud, and of the Spirit. And of the Spirit. Unless you do, you can't, you can't, can't enter the kingdom of God. Keep reading. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's this right here. But that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. I hear people say, well, you know, I was a surprise. My mom and dad weren't expecting me. You weren't a surprise to God. I wasn't even supposed to be here. Said who? Well, yeah, but it was this. And it was uh, even, I'm here as the result of a crime. I'm here as the result of this or that. Those human beings were involved in the creation of your body. They didn't create your spirit. And they didn't, they sure weren't the authors of the new creation, the new birth. And the Lord knew the end from the beginning, who was going to be his and who was not. So it might have surprised a lot of people, but didn't surprise him. He saw you coming. (laughs) And he was ready for you. We need to distinguish, though, between flesh and spirit. And that's what what we're into right now and what I'd like for you to believe with me, everybody watching with us online. 
believe with me that we get revelation, you and me, we get revelation of what is flesh and what is spirit. Because in my few years in the ministry, I see that this is sadly lacking and wanting. And I want to know a whole lot more about it myself. Said out loud, that which is born of the flesh. That which is born of the flesh. Is what? Flesh. It's flesh. And say the rest of it. And that which is born of the spirit is what? Can you see, this is the master speaking now. This is Jesus. He's making a very definite differentiation between flesh and spirit. Look at the fourth chapter, if you would. Chapter 4, verse 20. This is the account of the woman at the well of Samaria. And she said to him, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you say, so in other words, her folks didn't agree with that. (laughs) You say, and Jewish folks say, that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. So there was a religious controversy about where you should worship amongst these two groups of people, Samaritans and Jewish people. And that kind of thing is still going on today, how you should be baptized. The physical process and the things that are said and what makes you a member and what makes you not and what is a sin. And what is a bad sin? And what is a not so bad sin? (laughs) Friend, one of the greatest things that have helped Phyllis and myself is the revelation we got through Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry. He's in heaven now. But it's not something, he, he did say it many times, but it's something that he portrayed and lived that the word, the written word, is the final authority for everything in your life. It is the standard against which everything must be measured and checked. I grew up in church. I had relatives that were ministers and and I was around a lot of things. But that wasn't the way it was in my life. And it wasn't the way it was in their life. You say, what? No, it wasn't. People have elevated the church above the word. People have elevated their traditions passed down, beliefs passed down, denominational positions. And people will get adamant with you and go, well, I got a right to my beliefs. Not if you're a Christian. Now, if you're not a Christian, ain't no point in us talking. <laughs> but if you're a Christian, you don't have a right to just make up what you want to believe and believe anything you want to believe. The head of the church has told you what to believe. It's in this book. And he's given you the author of the book to live in you, to remind you of what he said. To bring it to your remembrance and to lead you into all truth. 
And the truth will make you free. Well, if the truth will make you free, what will lies do to you? They'll bind you. They will bind you. So please, if you haven't got that settled, meditate on it. It's worth a lot of your time and effort. One of the reasons we talk about reading your chapter every day around here is because you, if you don't know what the Word says, you're easily deceived. Easily. Easily tripped up, easily misled. I don't care who you hear preach, including me. If you can't find it in this book, in multiple places, do not decide it's true. You need to be questioning what you hear. Anybody remember when was it back in the, was it in the 70s? That the, uh, the Wendy's commercial. <laughs> was that 70s or 80s? I don't where the, uh, the, the older lady would come through the drive-thru and, and she, she was going to places other than Wendy's. And she'd look and there was this tiny little beef patty and she said, where's the beef? Where's the beef? And of course, at Wendy's they had the beef. So You need to be like that. Where's the scripture? Where's the word? Where is it? Where is it? If somebody tells you, oh, this is the way it is. I, you know, I had a vision. I heard, I heard a voice. Well, where's the scripture? Where's the scripture? And if you can't find the scripture, do not accept it as truth. I don't care how spectacular it is. I don't care how many million people believe it. People say, well, a billion people can't be wrong. Oh, honey. <laughs> A billion people can't be wrong. The majority is almost always wrong. And the master said, there is a broad way that leads to destruction and there are many. Well, that's the majority that are going down there. And where are they going? Oh, they're sure they're on the right track, but they are going off into destruction, Jesus said. And there is a, a straight and a narrow way. People say, y'all are just narrow-minded and saved. Yeah. <laughs> well, I believe that all paths lead to God. Well, you believe a bunch of junk. You believe a lie. Well, I believe there's just all these different ways of going to the same God. You believe lies. People say there are many ways. Uh Uh-uh. Jesus said there is one way. He is the way. The way. You either believe it or you don't. And again, you come back to this. What's your standard? Oh, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that the Lord has allowed us to find out the truth that would get us saved. Not just saved past this life, but saved in this life. And allow us to live a life of victory right here and right now. John 4, 20, are you there? She said, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, you say, in Jerusalem's place where men ought to worship. And she wants to get in a religious theological discussion. 
with Jesus about who's right. Who's right? Us? I think we are. Or you guys. Verse 21, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. So who's right? He said, well, the time is, is here that neither one of you is right. You worship, you know not what. <laughs> that don't sound good, does it? <laughs> you don't know what you do. We know what we worship. Salvation is of the Jews. It is. The covenant with Abraham, is that right? We read about it. He said, but the hour comes and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, we should not try to worship like they did in the old covenant. What's he saying? Is he saying something different's happening now? Different from what? Not just what the Samaritans were doing, but what the Jewish people had done too. Is that what he's saying or not? You see people that try to resurrect and apply to the church Old Testament worship. But the truth is, they worshiped in the flesh. For the most part. Because they were not born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. He said the hour has come. And now is. Well if it was come then. It's been that way since then. True worshipers. Why would you say true worshipers? Because not everybody. That's worshiping. Is doing true worship. You can pray. And absolutely waste your time. You can worship. And it not get out beyond your mouth. Well we don't want to do that. We don't want phony stuff. We want the true. The real. True worshipers shall worship the father how? Not just at the correct geographic location. Not just with the correct phrases not just with the correct stance that's flesh that's natural he said the time has come it's coming and and it's here when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father seeks such to worship him The Father wants this guy. Why would you say that? Because for centuries, most of what he's had is flesh. And he blessed people the best he could. But he's a living being. And dead spirits offering up fleshy stuff is not going to do much for him. Now, if people loved him, And they had faith in what they were doing. Even under the Old Testament. He received that love. He received that faith. And if they would do what he told them. There was a covenant. That he could bless them. But it was flesh. It was flesh. It was natural. It was just mostly that. 
But now, there's a new covenant established upon better promises. And one of the greatest things that makes this new covenant so much better is that we have been born again and our spirits are alive to God. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, does not just come on one in a million as a deliverer or a prophet. The Holy Spirit is comes in every believer. And if you'll yield to him, we'll fill you. Every believer and every believer is born of the Spirit and can be filled with the Spirit and can praise in the Spirit and give thanks in the Spirit and worship in the Spirit and pray in the Spirit and get drunk in the Spirit and speak mysteries in the Spirit. And build yourself upon your whole, most holy faith in the Spirit. Somebody say, in the Spirit. In the Spirit. In the Spirit. As opposed to what? Just doing stuff in the flesh. There's a big difference between Old Testament and New Testament. Old Testament prayer. Old Testament worship. Old Testament praise. Big difference. Now I'm not saying nobody was anointed under the Old Testament because they were. And the Psalms, you got the book of the Psalms, 150 of those. They were given by inspiration and the anointing came on. Everybody say on. People like David to do some of these things, but they're not born again. Nobody could be born again until after Jesus came to the cross and rose from the dead. None of them are born again. None of them spirit is alive to God. None of them the spirit of God is living in them 24-7. He'd come on them to be a deliverer. Come on them to prophesy. Come on them. But what's available to us was not available to them. We live in a greater day. Hallelujah. We have so much available to us. But I'm sure most of the church is not walking in the fullness of it. But we can. I said we can. He said, keep, keep reading here. Verse 24. God is a spirit. And they that worship him, if you're, going to, if you're going to really worship him, true worship, you must do it. There is no other way if it's going to be real. You must worship him how? In spirit and in truth. Now I know when you hear the phrase in spirit, in the spirit, a lot of folks, that, that just sounds mystical. And, and, and I don't know what you're talking about. Believe with me. That as this develops, this series, it's going to become plain. Plain. God's not making things complicated. He's not hiding things for us. Come on, sit out loud. Father God, we ask. Open our eyes. Give us revelation. 
understanding, understanding how, to how to practically do these things, do these things. Walk, in the spirit, walk in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, pray. worship in the Spirit, worship. show us, show us. What, it is, what it is, what it means, how to do it, make it plain to us. We ask it in Jesus' name. All right. It's not supposed to be a mystery. It's not supposed to be confusing. This is not something for a few super spiritual folks to do. This is for every believer. God's a spirit. Guess what? So are you. <laughs> What's a spirit? You is one. You, you are one. That's what you are. You're not a mind. You're not a body. You hear people talk about folks that have left this life. And they say, where, you know, talking about the body. They said, where did they put them? Where they're buried over there. No, they're not. No, they're not. When they died, what that means is they left their body. Just like pulling a hand out of a glove. And they're still them. They didn't turn into something else. But they're not there. You are not your body. Your body is the house you live in. Your brain is not you. It's the physical organ your mind expresses itself through. Your mind is not your brain. Your mind's a part of your eternal being. You'll have your mind 100,000 years from now and beyond. And there's no limit to what you can learn or what you can understand. You are created in the likeness and image of Almighty God. Your potential for learning and understanding is unlimited. You and I will be able to learn and understand throughout the ages to come. Amazing. Don't limit yourself. When you get into something that seems challenging to you, young people, you're in school, older people, went back to school, whatever the case might be, don't say, I, I'm just not good at that kind of thing. Do you need to do it? Then quit shooting yourself in the foot. You need to say, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. He makes me. I'm quoting Isaiah now. He makes me of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. Somebody said that loud. He makes me. Of quick understanding. And if something seems challenging to you, put your words in it. Release your faith and say, I can learn anything I need to learn. I can get it. But when you start talking about how hard it is, how hard it is, how hard it is, guess what? It's going to be hard. And it's going to get harder. And it's not because you can't learn it. And it's not because you're dumb. And it's not because you're not smart enough. You've got the one inside you who knows everything about everything. And if you'll let him help you, Jesus said the reason he sent him, he said, he's going to teach you all things. He's going to guide you into all the truth. He's going to bring all things to your remembrance. Somebody say, I have help. I have help. 
big help. I have major help. But you've got to work with him. Don't let your words be stout against him. Invite him in with your words. When something comes up, you may just need to say it under your breath. I have help. I have help. I have big help right here. And you'll be tempted to go, this is hard. Bite your lip. Bite your lip. And say, I can get it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm quick. I'm bright. I'm sharp. I'm good looking. I'm a major blessing. Very rich. Get your words working for you instead of against you. I mean, your intellect will blossom. It'll just, it'll unfold. Well, you know, my brain's getting old now. I think I've stuck something in almost every cell and it's about full. <laughs> you believe a bunch of junk. Your, your brain is not your mind. Your brain's not even your mind. Why do we get into all that? Well, we're talking about spirit and flesh. People get to thinking. I've seen people say they had a, a picture of a brain or a cadaver brain. When they said, would you look at this? All of the amazing compositions of music and literature have come out of these two or three pounds of gray matter. No, it did not. No, it did not. No. That's a physical organ. That's flesh. It came, anything good came from God. It came into your spirit. And it came up out of your spirit and illuminated your mind. And the brain just helped you to express what was in your mind through this physical body into this physical realm. In John 4, let's keep going. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Lord. Go to the sixth chapter, please. John 6. Jesus was telling them about him being the bread of life. And he said, I am, verse 35, John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. He that believes on me shall never thirst. And skip on down to verse 60. He told them that that his flesh was food and his blood was drink. And if if you didn't drink his blood and eat his flesh, you didn't have life in you. And like we said last time, he lost most of the crowd. They said, this is nuts. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard, how many of them? Many of them. They said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear this stuff? Verse 61. Jesus knew it in himself that his disciples, who? These are not just visitors. (laughs) His disciples that have been following him for months. Maybe years. When he knew his disciples murmured at it, he said to them, does this offend you? (laughs) He didn't help them. (laughs) You could say he made it worse. He said, does it, oh, you're upset. Oh, you don't like this. 
Does this offend you? And what and if you see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? What are they all thinking? He's lost it. (laughs) He's the bread from heaven. Now he came down from heaven. Now he's going back. Jesus said it's the spirit that quickens. The flesh. Come on say it. Prophets what? Nothing. Nothing. The words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Oh, hallelujah. Let me read this to you from some other translations. Young's literal says, the spirit it is that is giving life. The flesh does not profit anything. The sayings that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. The complete Jewish says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The Amplified says it like this. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh conveys no benefit whatever. There is no profit in it. That's why if you're just doing stuff in the flesh, it's not true worship. The words I've been speaking to you are spirit and life. Here is one of the big things To be able to identify spirit in contrast to flesh. The spirit quickens. The spirit quickens. The flesh is dead. If I'm preaching to you or anybody else or teaching, ministering to you. And I'm doing it in the flesh. It will be dead, flat, uninspiring, boring. No matter how educated I might be, what kind of an amazing command I might have on the English language, what kind of speaker I might be, spiritually it will be flat. And dead. But when the spirit is in it. And when it's in the spirit. Did you hear how I said that now? Saying the same thing. What is in the spirit? That means the spirit's in it. We're already getting answers to our prayer already. Is that right? It's not complicated. What does it mean in the spirit? It means the spirit is in it. If the Spirit's in it, it was done in the Spirit. But if it's in the Spirit, just what we do in church, you can tell. There's been times even much stronger than others that you can tell there's a quickening. Right? There's a quickening and it begins to stir you and it begins to minister life to you. And light. Well that's not a man or a woman. Ministering to you. That's the spirit. Ministering to you. Through a vessel. And it's the same way with you reading your Bible. It's the same thing with praying. When it's dull. And dead. And flat. Don't just keep dragging through it. Stop and go. Help me Lord. (laughs) 
which way should I go here? You're looking for the quickening. I said, I'm not talking about emotion. I'm not talking about feelings, but a spiritual quickening. The flesh profits nothing. The spirit does what? Say it out loud. It is the spirit. It is the spirit. That quickens. So if the spirit's in it, what's it going to be? There's going to be quickening. What does quickening mean? Quicken means alive. To be quick is the opposite of being dead. (laughs) The quick and the dead. Quick is alive. You know, if you jam something down past your fingernail into the quick, (laughs) you will know it. If you're alive, (laughs) if you can't even feel it, you're dead. Or something's dead. (laughs) Something's dead because that's why why do we call it quick? It's so sensitive. Why? Because it's alive. The nerve endings are alive. The blood's flowing. It's alive. So you feel it. And we don't want to become feeling focused, but there are spiritual perceptions. People call them feelings sometimes, but they're not physical feelings. And they're not just emotions. The spirit quickens. Spirit anointed words quicken. When you're praying, in the spirit. It's quickening. Hallelujah. When you're reading in the spirit. It's quickening. Let's not settle for dull, drab, and dead. Let's believe for. Keep looking till we get into the quickening. Pray. Seek the Lord until we find the thing. That's quickening. I know I had the privilege of helping Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr. that we mentioned earlier, many years helping him, I did music in the service. And uh, I'd sing specials. And oftentimes he'd ask me to come up at the end and sing a song. Now, a lot of times he's looking for a spiritual song. Not just a song that anybody would know. A new song. Well, a new song, he'd say it like this, hot off the wire. <laughs> Fresh from heaven. If it really is, if it's a spirit, what would it be? It's going to be quickening. But I I don't know at the times. With other singers and players and with myself as well. We'd get up and sing something and he'd say, no, that's not it. (laughs) No, that's not it. (laughs) What does he mean? Mean it wasn't a good song? You didn't do a good job? See, you could get offended, but you'd just be being foolish. He's trying to help you. Trying to teach you something here. See, people want acceptance and reward and accolade for doing stuff in the flesh. Even when you shouldn't get it. Because you didn't didn't get it. You, You need to go another direction. He'd say... That's not it. <laughs> Remember one night we were on Satellite Live. Back in the days when this was a big deal to be on Satellite. We were live in a bunch of different places. And he called me up. 
course, everybody reminded me how many folks were watching. <laughs> I came up and sat down to the piano, and, and uh, about first few bars into it, I realized this ain't it. <laughs> and the camera, they had rolled the camera straight in on me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and you're up on this giant screen and going out to all these churches. So what do you do? Pride <laughs> will keep going and sing every verse <laughs> until you finally drag it in to a dead close. But we don't want that. We want to learn. Is that right? So I stopped in the middle of the first verse. Well, when you stopped, it got quiet. The lights are there. Cameras are there. I said, I'm sorry, that's not it. <laughs> Help me, Lord. I'm, I'm checking my heart, you know. So I go back and I start over on something different. Thank God that was it. That was it. What do you mean? There was a quickening. There was a flow. The flesh. I don't care how polished it is. I don't care how dressed up it is. If it's flesh. And I don't care how you spend all the time you want to on it, and it profits nothing. When it's all said and done, as we grow and develop in this, you'll stop things in your life that you've been doing. Unprofitable discussions. Unprofitable arguings. Come on, are you listening? Unprofitable endeavors. Unprofitable activities. You'll begin to go... You know, it seems like such a waste of time. Why? Because again and again it is. It's just a total waste of time. You want to get up in the morning, praying in the Spirit, checking your heart. And when you start going the right way, there will be a witness. I'm not talking about trying to feel a lightning bolt. Just there will be, instead of nothing and deadness, there will be a quickening and a witness. And the more you do it, for lack of a better word, better you feel about it. And the further you go in it, the more confirmation you have. And if you don't have it, don't just keep banging your head against the wall. And don't be so proud to admit, well, I went the wrong way. I zigged when I should have zagged. I went this way when I should have went that way. Stop. Just stop and say, hey, well, hold on. Let's, let's ask the Lord. Let's check. Let's wait here and pray in the Spirit just a little bit. Check your heart. Look inside. Every day of our lives, we can be led by the wonderful Holy Spirit. And His path that He leads in is life. And it is light. And the path of the just, what happens? Come on, what happens with it? It's like the shining light that gets brighter and brighter. To the full day. So why? Because you're on the right path. You're following the leading of the Lord. Oh friends. How many mistakes. We would have avoided. If. When we started to make that decision. Something inside you. Was bothering you. It was bothering you. And yet because of. Commitments you had made. Or something you had said that you shouldn't have said. Just keep on blaring into it. And the further you go, the sicker do your stomach you feel. 
and just keep on keeping on. Let's not be that stupid. What did Jesus say? The spirit quickens. The flesh profits nothing. If it profits nothing, what good is that? That's no good at all. Hallelujah. I want to get into something. We won't be able to do it all tonight, of course, but I want to introduce something to you. And it has to do with who I've referred to twice already, Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr. He, uh, he mentioned a handful of times throughout his life that he had divinely granted appearance, that the head of the church appeared to him. Now you see this in the New Testament. You read about it in Old and New Testament about the Lord appearing to people. It doesn't happen all the time. If you look in the book of Acts with these apostles, you'd have to add to the text to say some of these things happened to them over once in 20 years or twice in 40 years. And so you, you know, you could live and die and never have the Lord appear to you and that wouldn't mean you weren't spiritual. These things are special because the Lord expects us to walk by faith. By faith. But especially to prophets and apostles, things that have to do with the whole body of Christ, these things happen. And I was around Brother Hagin for a long time. I do not believe he made these things up. And on one of the camp meetings, he said he was awakened in the nighttime a couple of days before the camp meeting was going to start. And felt like he should pray. And he's praying in the spirit. And he just prayed for. Now now, does this go along with what we've been talking about earlier? Praying in the spirit. He's praying in the spirit. For a couple of hours. And it got to be three o'clock in the morning. And he said all at once. He was. At the downtown convention center. Two days in the future. With the master. In the top of the convention center looking down on the crowd and the service. Can the Lord do that? Yes. Oh yeah he can. And uh, I almost hear somebody said, I want him to do it for me. I understand. But there's responsibility goes with these things. He shows you things for a reason. Has to do with doing things. And some of the things he might say to you and show you, people might think you're nuts can be persecution that goes along with it. You know what you want? You want what he wants. He knows what's right. You want to trust him on that. But he said he was there. And the master was right there beside him. And they were looking down at the, uh, the crowd. Two days yet to come. It was one of the services in the meeting. And he spoke to him about what we're talking about for a length of time and went into several different areas and out of this experience of visitation, I should say visitation, came the book Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. Now if you're not familiar with this, I I recommend it to you highly. This is Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr. 
his book entitled Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. And he details some of this vision in that book. And uh, I'm going to read just a couple of excerpts from that. Because it, it, it's right what we're talking about. He said, Jesus and I were standing above the crowd. And he said to me, in this charismatic move, Christians have brought the brass of the world into the temple of the Lord as a substitute for pure gold. Now this is a reference to scripture in 1 Kings 6, chapters 6 and 7. If you don't know what that means. There was a time when the people of God were under duress and the king took the gold out of the temple to use it to buy help. But they put brass back in there so that it wouldn't look like there was no gold. So it was a cheap replacement for the real deal. And he said, the master said, in this charismatic move, Christians have brought the brass of the world into the temple of the Lord as a substitute for pure gold. Therefore, I can only bless my people so far because they've substituted brass for gold. And one of the things he mentioned specifically, he mentioned more than one. This is one of the things he mentioned specifically. They've brought the clapping of the world into the temple. And he talked to him at length about clapping. And Jesus continued, he said, you see, when you come to the New Testament, you find that all praise and worship is to be done in the Spirit. In the Spirit. What, why would he say that? Well, he's talking about something done in the flesh. It's not in the Spirit. And the Lord had said several times in that visitation, he said, I love my people and I'll bless them all I can, but I can't put my full blessing on their plan they substituted for mine. Can't do it. He can't put his full blessing on stuff done in the flesh that's different from what he's wanting us to do in the spirit. Brother Hagin talked about this. He said, you find expressions in the Old Testament where people worshipped before the Lord and worshipped with all their might. That's because their worship was in the flesh only. They didn't have the Spirit. They couldn't worship in the Spirit. They could only worship before the Lord. Do you hear the difference, friends? They couldn't worship in the power and might of the Holy Spirit. They could only worship with all their might. In order to be a true worshiper of God, who is spirit, we must worship in the spirit. Thank you, Lord. Let me give you some, uh, some scripture on this. He said the master told him this. And again, when you hear a phrase like that, 
What's the first thing you should be asking? Where's the scripture? This is a perfect example of this. Where's the scripture? Well, I'm glad you asked. He said, in speaking by the Spirit of God to say that the brass was brought into the temple, Jesus said to me as we watched some people in the camp meeting doing things in the flesh, he said, I'll bless them because they're my children and I love them, but I can only bless them so far. Why? Because this is just flesh. And here's, he said, the master said this, clapping is neither praise nor worship. Clapping is neither praise nor worship. He went on to say, to clap is to applaud. He went on to say, there's not one single scripture, Jesus said, in the new covenant about anyone clapping their hands. Well, that's something people do a lot. And there's not even one verse in the whole New Testament about it. There are actually only about six or eight or so verses in the whole Bible about clapping. We're into it now, aren't we? (laughs) In uh, Psalm 98.8 says, let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together. Isaiah 55.12 says all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Well, this is not people clapping. So this is something different. And here, here's an interesting thing. Four, one, two, three, four, or five of these means a completely different thing than what we would call applauding. In Job 27, 23 It says, men will clap their hands at him and hiss him out of his place. Lamentations 2.15 says, all that pass by clap their hands at you. They hiss and wag their head. Another one, Ezekiel 25.6 says, they clap their hands and stomp their feet. This is something that's not familiar to us as Westerners. This has got nothing to do with approval. It's the opposite. It's like. It's a disapproval. Clapping hand. Literally means. Striking the hands. It's not the same. Necessarily. As applauding. So when you say clap the hands. You have to discern. What kind of clapping. You're talking about. And there's really only one reference that is associated with praise at all. I shouldn't say praise. Victory. And it's in the Psalms. One. Everybody say one. <laughs> Psalm 47.1. 47.1. It says, Oh, clap your hands All ye people. Now, some folk grab that half a phrase and they go, ah, see there, you're supposed to clap your hands. The word must be rightly divided. Back up to the title of the psalm. Anybody got a title on it? What does it say? Psalm 47, 
verse 1. He says, to the chief musician. Is there a clapping of hands with music? This not applause? Certainly there is. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. This is not applause, and you really technically it's not even praise. It's a song, it's music, and it's celebrating over victory. Somebody said, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with giving the Lord a hand? What's wrong with offering up a clap offering? Well, if the head of the church really said what we just read, then it's not good with him. Why? We are told specifically in the New Testament what to do with our hands in Timothy. 1 Timothy 2.8 says, I will that men pray everywhere. Doing what? Lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Now, I'm not trying to rub anybody the wrong way. We want the truth, though, don't we? And we're believing to see the difference between flesh and spirit. Are we not? Brother Hagin said the master told him in that visitation, he said, the world claps. Saints praise. Did you hear that that phrase? One reason I'm going into this is because to me it is such a perfect example of flesh and spirit. The world claps. Saints praise. He, He said the Lord told him clapping is neither praise nor worship. What is it? It's applause. It's applauding. If you look up the word applaud, it means to show approval. To show approval. And it's what men do for other men. What we don't do with other men is this. (laughs) Why? If somebody said something that you like, do you do this? No. <laughs> I praise and worship you. No. You better not. Why? It's too much for a man. If that's too much for a man, this is not enough for God. Are y'all with me, friends? People do this at political rallies. They do this at performances. Right? They do this literary readings and speeches. And even when I'm doing it right now, it's irritating you. (laughs) Why? I've been in, in many different services where the Spirit of God began to speak by tongues and interpretation or prophecy and right in the middle of it. 
Everybody starts clapping, 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 and you can't even hear what's being said. Well, now, either the Holy Spirit's not speaking, or he's interrupting himself by moving on people to clap. Both of these can't be right. Because if he's saying something, he'd want us to hear it. This requires less humility than this. This requires little respect. You, You can say, I approve of that. Yeah, that's fine. That's okay. I approve. That can be haughty, saying that to God, you approve. (laughs) I approve. I applaud you, God. It's just flesh. And it's what men do for men. It's not enough for God. How many does this bear witness with your spirit? It's It's not enough respect. It's not enough reverence. Can you see this, friend? And throwing up your hands to a man and going, oh, I worship you, that's way too much. You don't do that for other men. And so then the clapping's not enough for God. Well, it's not just true concerning the clapping. The principle, once you learn it, you begin to apply it to other areas too. You begin to see folks doing stuff and it's it's actually interfering you from getting what's happening over here. And they're saying God's moving on them, but it's interfering with what God's supposed to be doing over here. That's why in 1 Corinthians he said, God's not the author of confusion. So what's happening? People are doing stuff, calling it spiritual, and it's just flesh. And there's no quickening in it. But then there is the real. I said there's the real. We don't want to go too far in the ditch. We don't want to judge everybody. Well, I think that's in the flesh. Well, how you doing? I don't do anything. Well, you you just stay in the flesh all the time. Do nothing in case you might get in the flesh. No, you got to be willing to step out. But the big thing is be willing to be corrected. Be willing to be taught. Be willing to stop in the middle if you need to and go, you know, I don't think this is the way to go. Excuse me. <laughs> I think I jumped up and spoke too quick. <laughs> forgive me, forgive me. And all of us are learning together and people will think, right, we go, oh, honey, I've been there. Just, you're fine. Let's just learn. Right? But we don't want to settle for a bunch of flesh. We want the real thing. Come on, somebody say, I want the real thing. We've got the real thing. He is the real thing. But we we got a bunch of flesh. It's in the way of the real. And just this one thing here. The Spirit of God says something and does something. And most of the crowd is doing this. It is actually getting in the way of what else the Lord wants to do right now. If we would respond differently. With reverence and worship, it would go up higher instead of trailing off. Didn't the Bible say, quench not 
the Spirit. How would you do that? Quench is like throwing a wet blanket on coals or a fire that's starting to kick up. And it quenches it. It puts it out. Flesh does that. But Spirit stirs it up. Quickens it. Works with it. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. The Lord has heard our prayer. You believe it? He's teaching us. He's showing us. He's helping us. Part of this I'm saying by faith. He's showing us. He's teaching us. He's helping us to do things in the Spirit. Somebody say in the Spirit. In the Spirit. In the Spirit. What have we already learned from the previous lessons? What helps us to be aware of the Holy Spirit? What is the doorway into the rest of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit? Speaking in tongues. Singing in tongues. Is that right? Speaking in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart. That spiritual activity helps you to be alert and aware and built up on your most holy faith. And you do that a lot with the flesh, dead stuff's going to stand out to you more. Because when you're used to quickening things and this is dead, you go, oh, no, no, we don't want that. We don't want to go back to that. Let's get back in the vein where there's some life, where there's some quickening. He said the... uh, The master said this to him. He said, I bless all of my people as far as I can. Do you believe that or not? Now, it's been bought and paid for. We don't have to earn it, but you've got to learn how to cooperate with him. He said, "Uh, but the reason there's not the move of God and the depth of the flow of the Spirit And the fullness of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit today is because men do not take time to hear from me. How many think that's true? Brother Higgins said the head of the church told him this. He said they don't take time to hear from me. They do not take time to follow my plan set forth in the scriptures. The more closely you follow my plan, the more my power will be in demonstration and in manifestation. Are you hungry for that, Secretary? Those that hunger and thirst after the right things of God, they'll be filled. They that covet earnestly the best gift. You've got to be passionate about these things. You can't just say, oh, yeah, it'd be great if they happened. No, you've got to go beyond that. We want it. We want it. We really, really want it. Show us the dead flesh stuff. We want to get rid of it. Is that right? We want the real thing. We don't want brass in the place of gold. Something that looks like it from a distance, but it's not the real thing. When you can have the real thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, the more closely you follow my plan, the more my power will be in demonstration and in manifestation. Stand up right now and let's act on this 
by showing reverence, by expressing honor. Go ahead, lift up your hands. Begin to lift up your voice. Nothing phony, nothing religiously rehearsed. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we worship you. Oh, come on, lift up your voices. Lord, we worship you. We adore you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.